And so today we're in week three of, the, of, of a six-week series called The Good Life. And so I want to talk to you about a topic. It's just, it's just where we find ourselves in the scriptures is this issue of generosity, gen- generous living. What does it mean to live a life of generosity? What does it mean to live a life of, of generous living? And so Paul writes, and so let, let me just read the, the central verses that we're going to use this morning, and then, and then we'll go from there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, here's what Paul says. He says, well, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. So now we know he's talking about local church giving. He's talking about giving to the local church and the local church sending that money out. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I, I want a gift from you. Rather, here's the focal verse. I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and, I, and, I, and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, all of a sudden, he's using Old Testament language, the tie, the 10%. He's tying the New Testament into the Old Testament. Verse 19 And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. So this weekend, because of where we find ourselves in the text, I want to talk to you this issue about, about giving. I want to talk to you this issue about what it means to live a life of generosity, what it means to live a life of giving. And so I, I, and, and I, have, a, I have a confession to make. And I know maybe you're not used to a pastor being transparent enough to stand up and say, hey, I, I, I got to tell you something I've struggled with. And I, gotta, I, I just got to have, I just got to tell you a, a confession and so that we're, we're all tracking. The confession is this. I haven't, I haven't preached a lot on this subject of giving. And the reason is, is the fear of criticism or the fear of man. I know what happens when a pastor brings up this issue of giving, when a pastor brings up this issue of money in, in the local church. I know the, well, I receive the emails. Uh, I hear the talk about he just wants our money. That's all they want. That's all the church wants. The church just wants your money. And so the world or the church a lot of times is okay talking about money in every other aspect other than the local church. And so maybe that's why money gives us such, so many problems. Maybe that's why money stresses us so much is because the local church has come to where they no longer talk about that. And I come to this verse where Paul says, I, I don't want this for me. I want this for you. I want you to see the rewards of generous living. I want you to see the rewards of kindness. And so, and so I want to apologize to you today. And I want to tell you that I am sorry because I may have robbed some of you of a reward I, I learned to give by someone talking about, by a preacher talking about giving. When you, when you look at my life, you realize that Karen and I, we're passionate about some things, and it just comes out naturally in my preaching. We're passionate about worship, and, and we're, we're worshipers at heart. And in my preaching, you hear that come out over and over. We're passionate about life journaling to try to get everybody into Scripture to where they read Scriptures, not through a devotional, not through a commentary, but they're able to hear directly from God through the Scriptures. We're passionate about that, and we've changed the culture in that area here at Fellowship of the Rockies. We're passionate about serving, that we should serve him and we serve him there's a blessing and we're passionate about those things and we're also passionate about this issue of giving 
We, we, we are at our core, we have given, we, we, we're givers. And yet when I stand up on this platform, the one thing that I tamp down is this issue of giving. Because of the fear of criticism. The fear of things that will be said about me. And I, and I just want to apologize to you this morning. That, I, that, that we're, in a, we're, in a, we're in a time of our church to where we're giving record numbers of, 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 of dollars in giving. Between the faith fund and our, our general fund. The, general, the faith fund is, is to relocate the church. But I have to tell you, in the general fund, we're running like a 7% deficit right now. And that happens a lot of times when churches are in a capital stewardship campaign. There's more emotion towards the capital, ship, uh, stewardship, the, the capital stewardship campaign uh, than there is to the general fund. And so I, my, my, my ask is this, is that if you're already tithing and giving and, and, and uh, just you keep on doing that. But if, you are, if you're not, then we need you. If you're not, we're, we're a family. And we want to be able, listen, we want to be able to fund every area of ministry here. And my prayer is that we'll adjust this deficit real quickly by, by the fall. And so I want to walk through these scriptures with you because, because a lot of times it does concern me talking about the rewards of giving. And listen, there are rewards to giving. And I'm not a health and wealth preacher and I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I am a provision gospel preacher that God will provide for you. And, I, and one of my fears of this issue of talking about the rewards of giving is this, is because so many false teachers have, have used that to manipulate people and use that to say that God wants you healthy, wealthy, and, and happy. That, that God wants you, that, that God says that if you give, it will be given to you. So there's some health and wealth gospel preachers, some TV evangelists who say that Christians should be wealthy and they should drive expensive cars, Rolls Royces, and live in mansions and have airplanes and, and all those other things. And that is simply not true. I mean, Jesus himself was poor. And so there's TV evangelists that will use motives to manipulate you by saying that if you'll, if you'll sow $100 into my ministry, God will give you tenfold back. In other words, if you give me 100 bucks, God's going to give you $1,000. Well, any lost person would give under those conditions, right? And a few years back, Rick, Rick Warren was in Colorado Springs, and so he... He didn't have anything to do one evening, so he sent out a text to a bunch of pastors, or a few pastors, I was one of them, and says, hey, you guys want to meet me for dinner? So we met Rick Warren in Colorado Springs for dinner, and we're hanging out, and, and Rick Warren's like stinking hilarious, and so Rick's like, guys, and he starts laughing, he goes, you're, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. He said, I got one of those mailers from one of those TV evangelist guys, and he told us who it was, and he says, and it, and it was this thing that if I would sow a seed into his ministry, if I'd give him $100, that God would give me $1,000 back and so he says you guys want to know what I did and I'm like I can't wait and he's like here's what I did he said I took that mailer out I wrote on it to that evangelist and said if you really believe this principle why don't you give me a hundred dollars God to give you a thousand dollars and we'll both be happy <laughs> he said you know what I haven't heard anything from him I don't know what's going on Paul wrote in Philippians 4.16, he says, Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Paul writes again in 2 Corinthians 9.6, Remember this farmer. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will reap a generous crop. So the Bible is clear. So long as we're honest, the Bible is clear. There's rewards for giving. Uh, Deuteronomy 15.10, uh, give generously to the, to, to the poor, not grudgingly, for the, Lord will, will, the, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Psalms 37.25, 
Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. What a promise. Proverbs 11:25. the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will, will themselves be refreshed. Proverbs 7, uh, 19, 17, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of, of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test in this. This is the only place in scripture where God says you put me to the test. You don't believe it? Put me to the test and see what happens. And so I, I want to talk to you about this issue of just what it means to live a life, the good life, a life of generous giving, a life of generosity. Matthew 19, 29, Scripture says, Jesus was talking, he says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. I have never known a generous person. I have never known a giver yet who did not say that out of their giving they, they were blessed. They lived a blessed life. Some more than others, but if you sow a seed of faith, what Scripture tells us is that there's a harvest that is coming. Jesus taught in Luke chapter 6, verse 30, 38, he says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. And so in, in my old school Bible, in, in, the, in the margin, I've written the principle of raking leaves. Um, I think of this every year when I, in the fall when I, when I rake leaves and, you know, you stuff re leaves into a bag and you don't just tie it off. Uh, what do you do? You sit on it, you press it down, you squash it, uh, you do everything you can. And it's amazing how many leaves that you can get into that, that bag. And God says, if, if, if you're generous, I will see to it that it's given back to you in good measure, pressed down, pressing to get, pressed together, shaken together, overflowing in your lap. So this morning, I just want to give you a couple of principles about this issue of giving and ask that you would just simply open up your heart, your life to what God has for you and how you should respond. The first thing is this, is I just want to give you four principles in spiritual giving. I just want to give you four principles, uh, four principles to generous living. Uh, because there's always return on investment. We talk a lot about return on investment, right? Uh, if we're going to invest in a stock form, uh, uh, a, a, a stock portfolio, a, a mutual fund, or if we're going to invest our money, we're going to buy a CD, the first thing we know, what's the return on the investment, right? How much will I get back? Well, the same is true. There's a spiritual return. There's a return on the investment. See, that was what was so powerful. When we went through this giving campaign and we did, we did, we did these vision desserts, uh, we would allow people, we, people, would give testimonies of how they met Christ, what God's doing in their life. And there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of emotional testimonies. And you know what we were hearing? We're hearing return on investment. The lives that were being changed. Every month when we, when we baptized, last month we baptized 14 folks. You know what that was? That's return on investment. Those of you who give and, and support this ministry, guess what? You share in that. You share in the eternal, changing the eternal destiny of people. Uh, this last week, Karen and I spent some time at the Pueblo Rescue Mission. Uh, the Pueblo Rescue Mission is a mission that, that we fund and help fund out of our ministry here. Uh, they're one of the only hopes that we have of, of changing some of the homeless issues that we have in our community. And so Karen were there, and, and I were there. We spent the evening with them, met some really great people. We met a lady by the name of Pat. Uh, Pat is an elderly lady for a number of years. Pat had lived 
lived her life on the Arkansas River, down the river bottom, uh, and lived life on the streets. And so she came across a Pueblo Rescue Mission. And so the rescue mission, it's not just a handout, it's a hand up, which is much different in this issue of, of, of addressing the homeless issue in our community. And so, um, so Pat came into the, homeless, uh, to the rescue mission. Uh, they, they, they taught her a, a trade. They found her a job, and now that she has a job, she saved up some money. She has a bank account, and so the first of May, she's going in. They found her. They found her an apartment, and so she's going into her very first apartment at her age. And so she looked at Karen and I and says, "You know what? I'm going into my very first apartment with nothing but a smile on my face." And she says, because I don't have a bed, I don't have, any, I don't have any pots and pans, I have nothing. But you know what? That doesn't matter to me. And then she says, and I just thank God so much for Fellowship of the Rockies. You share in that. I mean, there was another young couple uh, that was there at the mission, and, and they had started out, their journey had started out in Kansas, and they went from Kansas to Denver, and then from Denver to Pueblo. Fact is, they walked to Pueblo because they heard there were jobs here, and so they, they got to Pueblo and tried to find a job, but they realized that their birth certificates, the wallet size birth certificate, is no longer a valid form of, of ID, and so they needed the full, you know, the full-size uh, birth certificate with the embossed uh, uh, thing on it and but that's ninety dollars each and so you know what the rescue mission did says you know what we'll we'll pay that we'll pay that and we'll help you have enough identification we'll help you we'll help you find a job and then once you work for a while and and then we'll help you find a place to live and so you share in that see that that's return this return on investment these these kids up on this platform leading you in worship you know what that is that's return on investment where kids at their age can be leaders and can lead us spiritually. And the, 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 the missions that we've done in Haiti, the mission trip that we, that we just completed in, in Africa, we've built a church in Africa, we've, we put in a chicken, uh, we put in, we've given them chickens, uh, a garden, a water well so they have clean water. Do you realize we have changed an area of Africa the work that we do in Haiti, the work that we do in Africa, the mission trips that our students go on, the schools that we have, the schools that we have adopted in, in Pueblo. And so there, there's return on investment. So let me give you just, just four quick things about return on investment. Return is not always immediate. Return is not always immediate. In other words, there's a time between sowing and sowing the seed and reaping the harvest. And, and so if you're looking for a get-rich-quick scheme, this is not it. Uh, we don't, listen, we don't give our motive. We don't give to get. We give to give. In other words, we give to give because it's an honor to give because it's a privilege to give. Here's another one. Return is not always dollars and cents. Return is not always dollars and cents. Paul said in Philippians 4.19, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. He said again in 2 Corinthians 9.8, he says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. The reason God blesses us is to be a blessing. And so it's not always, listen, return on investment is not always in dollars and cents. You know what? It, it, may, it may be that your car lasts longer. Uh, it, it may be that some things just go right for you. Uh, when we moved to Pueblo, and if, if Karen and I hadn't have been givers, we would have never left our jobs and family and friends and come to Pueblo, Colorado to to where there was no promise of income, there's no promise of a church. We, we just knew we had a promise from God. And so we told God, you know what? We're willing to go broke for you in Pueblo. You gave everything to us, we'll give everything to you. Mine was, my story was a radical transformation of what God has done for me. 
And so we came to Pueblo. We, we didn't take a salary from the ch- church for quite a while. Uh, we, had this, we had this suburban that was like paid for. And so, uh, so we'd get, we, we would laugh so often because it, like, it, like, it was like this suburban just kept going. I mean, it just kept going. I mean, we drove the wheels off of that Suburban. And the uh, fact is, towards the end of, of, of our Suburban's life, uh, we would have to, like, every week we would anoint it with oil, about a quarter week. Uh, <laughs> and then when that didn't work, we took it down to Roger Mueller, and he's had, like, super anointing, and so he would super anoint it. And so we would laugh, and we would, we would get so tickled about God's provisions. I... And so it, it, it may not be in dollars and cents. It may be something just lasts longer. It may be that your child gets a scholarship. It may be that you win a trip at the office. It, it may be that you get upgraded for a trip. I will never forget when we were here, uh, our, our first year here, we really wanted to provide a, 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 a vacation for our kids. And so we're already in Colorado, and so now we can have a Colorado vacation. And so we scrimped up enough money throughout the year. We saved for a long time, and we took our family, our two daughters, over to Durango in the Suburban. And so we weren't gonna we weren't gonna eat any meals out. We were gonna fix all of our meals in, there in, in the hotel, and and then we'd go out once for a big celebration. And so our kids knew that. And so we drive over to Durango. Uh, we go there, and we the place where we were staying is, is is one side was a hotel, the other side was a resort. We couldn't afford to stay on the resort side. We could afford to stay in a in a small hotel room there on the hotel side. And so when we checked in, the, the lady that checked us in, she says, you're not, you know, we're so sorry uh, that we have very, very low occupancy this week. And so as a result of that, we just want you to know we've decided to upgrade you to a two-bedroom condo with a kitchen. Would that be okay? And so I'm telling you, when we went into that, that, that hotel room or that condo, even I was jumping on the beds. And I mean, I mean and we celebrated. And you know what we did? We told our kids, kids, this was from God. This was from God. This isn't from mom and dad. Mom and dad could not afford this. This came from the hand of God. We taught our kids early in life that guess what? You give, God will give back. You give, God will bless you. We taught our kids early in life because we wanted to fight against this thing of materialism. We want to fight against this thing of people thinking that my life consists in the abundance of my possessions. That there is a God that cares for you and you live out your faith by the way in which you give. In other words, here's another one. Return is not divorce from attitude. Return is not divorce from attitude. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That word cheerfully in the, in, in the, in the Greek simply means, well, the, the word is this, hilarious. It's where we get our word hilarious. It's where we get our word cheerfully. It's where we get our word joy from. In other words, giving is to reflect a relationship. It is not performing a duty. I don't know if you've ever had one of those office parties around Christmas time and you, you put names in a hat and, and you pull out a name, and then it, what, what happens if you get a name of someone that you don't like, and now you've got to get them a Christmas gift, and there's like a $20 limit? How are you going to handle that? You know what? You're probably going to just run down because you normally would not get them a gift, and now you feel like it's under compulsion, right? Now you feel like it's a duty. You're probably going to run down to like a fast food, fast food, food place, get a $20 gift card, call it good, but you're going to hand it to them, not out of joy, but under compulsion because you were made to. And the Bible says we don't give like that. The Bible says that we give, we give cheerfully. We don't give under compulsion. We give because, because of joy that is in us. And see, a lot of times the problem with people who give 
They don't get much joy out of giving because you know what? They look at it like any other debt in their life. I got a credit card payment. I got, I got a car payment. I got a house payment. Oh, and I got the church payment. But rather than looking at church giving as a debt we owe, we should look at it as a seed we sow. And the reason that we have joy is because we know, you know what? There is a harvest coming. God's going to do something in my life. Here's another one. Return allows us to be generous. Return allows us to be generous. 2 Corinthians 9.11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And so God doesn't say, you give it to me so I can give it back to you so you can spend it all on yourself. So you can make it all about you. So you can get caught up in the abundance of your possessions. He said, you give it to me and I will return it back to you, shaken down, pressed together in good measure. You know what? And you know why? So that you can be a blessing to others. In other words, we're we're to be distribution centers and not warehouses. In other words, this, we're to be a conduit, we're to be a funnel and where God pours it in at the top, and, and we pour it out in the bottom. That's why it's percentage giving. That's why it's in keeping with your income. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, he says, On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And so he does say that, it, that if, if, you, if you give it away, that God will bless you. I have, I have never known a giver that did not have joy. I have known a lot of stingy people that were miserable. They're just hanging on to whatever they have. And there's no real joy because they've never really partnered with God in the area of their finances. The first thing that Zacchaeus did, and you can do this study for yourself, look at transformation stories in the gospel. Uh, Zacchaeus meets Christ. Zacchaeus' life is changed. At the core, he is changed. And the first thing he does is says, God, I'm, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. Listen, we, we were created to give. That's why I believe in church it creates so much emotion when we talk about giving because at the core we're created to give. And all of a sudden we have to try to do something to tamp it down. We have to do something. We have to come up with an excuse. We have to come up with a reason why we're not supposed to give. And you were, be, you were made. And you were and I were made to be givers. And, and, and so, so here's, here's a few things. Spiritual rewards for generous giving or generous living. <coughs> There's several spiritual rewards for generous giving. The first one is this. There is spiritual growth. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, For for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and and increase your resources and then will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. One of the reasons I believe that a lot of believers have trouble growing and and, and maturing in their their Christian faith is because they're so focused on material things. Their, their life has become the abundance of their possessions. And many have never truly trusted God with their money. They've never truly trusted God with their finances. And let me tell you something. When you learn to trust God with your finances, you learn that you can trust him with anything. And that he'll provide for you. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect in your life. I, I'm telling you, our, our family, many of you know our stories. Our story. We're, we're facing a big challenge right now with, with, with some things we're walking through as a family. But I'm telling you, I I know God's going to take care of us, and I know God's going to provide for us. Why? 
Because I've trusted him with my life and I've trusted him with my finances. And as a result, you, 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 you approach things differently so many times in this world. We're so enamored with what we can see and what we can taste and what we can feel and what we can, 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 can experience. That's why all through the Bible, the Bible's told us, don't, don't focus on the things that are seen. Focus on the things that are unseen. Don't, <coughs> don't look at the things that are seen. Look at the things that are unseen. Because this world is temporary. This world is going to pass away. But he who, who lives for the Lord will live forever. And Saturday morning, I, I watched Barbara Bush's uh, funeral. This most encouraging funeral, one of the most encouraging funerals I've watched, especially a public funeral. It wasn't talked about a lot about, or at all, about how much money the Bushes had and all of their accomplishments. You know what was talked about? Her life of generosity. How she lived a life of generosity. How she lived a life of giving. How when, when the AIDS epidemic first started and she went to a hospital and she hugged an AIDS patient and that person's own mother would not hug them. And she hugged them. And people talked about her love and people talked about her generosity. Man, when you start giving away generously, you're reminded over and over that guess what? This world is not your home. And you're no longer enamored with the things of this world like you once were. And you become spiritually rich in integrity. You become spiritually rich in character. And some, somewhere along the way, you realize that, you know what? This life does not consist in the abundance of my possessions. And you look at these possessions differently. And when, you give, <coughs> and when you give away, you're being reminded all the time that life does not consist in these things. And your hopes are no longer in this world. And your hopes are set in Jesus Christ that matters. When we sow generously, we, we reap a joy of service to others. 2 Corinthians 9.12 says, So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Giving is a grace that has to do with character, and giving is a service that has to do with our compassion for people. In other words, it's compassion for people that lives, leads us to give. It leads us to meet the needs in a church. It leads us to meet the needs in others. I get email after email after email, whether it's from the Pueblo Rescue Mission, whether it's from missions that we've done, whether it's from people that we've reached, and people are thanking God for you. Thanking God for you that you would give and you would minister to them. Uh, the 325 backpacks that we've given away for school supplies every year. You, you, you share in that. And the number of parents <coughs> that have sent emails to thank us of providing school supplies for their kids who will never meet. Here's another one, spiritual joy. There's a spiritual joy that, that happens as a result of that. Paul talks about that spiritual joy. And people will praise God because of your giving. Praise God for you. If you're a mature Christian, then there is a deeper joy than just helping someone in need and them thanking you. And there, when you're spiritually mature, you understand that giving, and you give in such a way that all of a sudden that they, they thank God because they drew closer to God. I mean, there's a difference in that. There's a... There's a the letter that came into the, post, uh, the Postal Service uh, a few years back. <coughs> and so it was addressed to God. And so they, of course, there's not an address for God. They didn't know what to do with it. So the postal employee decided, I'll just open the envelope, read the letter. And so it's from a young boy named Jimmy. And he says, Dear God, my name is Jimmy, and I'm six years old. My father is dead. My mother is having a hard time raising me and my sister. Would you please send us $500? And so the postal employee was so touched by that, he decided, you know what? 
I'm going to take up an offering. I'm going to take up an offering with my buddies and try to raise the, the $500. And he didn't raise the $500, but he raised $300. And so he took the $300. He, he sent it to the little boy from God and said, here it is. And so the boy, a couple of weeks later, sends back a letter thanking him for it. And then he, then he had a closing note. And it's hilarious is what he said. And he says, but he ended, ended his request with this. He says, and dear God, uh, please deliver the money directly to our home next time. Because if you send it to the post office, they deduct $200 out of it. <laughs> you know, there's a special joy that comes when you give to people and they give God credit and not us. I mean, we reap this inner security of being loved by people and being loved by God. Luke 16, 9, the scripture says, he says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into their eternal home. In other words, listen, you cannot take it with you. We know that. But you can send it ahead. You can send it ahead. It's interesting to me that people that I talk to, and I've heard testimony after testimony last night after our services about people that just, they just live a life of generosity. And they talk about this joy that comes with it. The word miser and miserable come from the same Root word. The, the givers that I know, they live a life of generosity, the good life. They have this joy that cannot be explained. They, because they know that, they, that their money or their resources, they can bless others. And, and, and it changes everything in their life. The last one is this. It changes eternal riches. It's just eternal riches. Luke 16, 9 says, here's a lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you into, your, into a, an eternal home. And sometimes people give away. And you know what? They don't, they don't see the, the return immediately. Fact is, they may not even see the return in this world and in this life. And they'll see the return. You cannot, you cannot take it with you, but you can send it ahead. And there are a lot of us that have given in such a way that we may not see all the return until eternity. Paul wrote to Timothy and says, as a pastor, teach your congregation this. He said, verse 17, he said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Teach them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need. Always be willing to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Fact is, what he would say, the good life, true life, is a life of generosity. When you, when you give money away, you're actually storing up a foundation in heaven. That's why Jesus says, do not lay up treasures on this earth where moth and rust can destroy. But lay up treasures in, in heaven where it cannot be destroyed. I close with a very personal story, but when I was a kid, we, uh, I was born in South Texas, and so we fished on, on the coast of, of South Texas. And uh, so we knew how to fish uh, for redfish and flounder and, and that type of fish. My dad was transferred to Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas uh, is in East Texas, and a lot of area lakes. fact is, around Tyler, Texas... There were five uh, large lakes within 15 minutes of Tyler that you could fish. And so we wanted to learn to bass fish, but we didn't know how to bass fish. 
So my dad had a buddy at work and says, I know how to bass fish. I'd love to teach you guys. And so meet me at the lake, gave us directions, meet me at the lake. This is a fishing spot. And so I'll, I'll teach you and your son how to bass fish. I'll bring my son. And so we showed up and we, we were fishing for bass and we were learning to fish for bass. And all of a sudden lunchtime came. And, and as my dad normally did, uh, my dad, when we'd go fishing, would just make a bunch of stale bologna sandwiches and stick them in a brown bag. And so lunchtime came, and my dad um, uh, pulled out our bologna sandwiches out of this, this brown paper bag. And then I watched this man and his son, and they reached into their truck, and they pulled out, I'm telling you, they pulled out a, a, a large supreme pizza. <laughs> and I sat there looking at that supreme pizza, and I looked at my stale bologna sandwich in that bag, and I looked at their pizza, and I looked at my, my bologna sandwich, and, and, and the, the, the man must have realized that. So he, he looked at my dad and said, you know what? Why don't we just do this? Why don't we just share? And my dad was embarrassed, and my dad says, you know, we got these stale bologna sandwiches. Uh, we, we, you guys got a supreme pizza. We can't share with you. And I'm thinking, Dad, Hello. And so the, the man says, well, you know what? He's very gracious. He says, you know what? We, we love bologna sandwiches. I love stale bologna sandwiches. So why don't we just share? And as soon as he said that, I just reached across. I said, someone has to take charge here. <laughs> and I, I feasted on that pizza. fact is, to this day, it's probably the best pizza I've ever had, and I love pizza. And you know what, I've been thinking about that, and it's a, that's a lot like God. And when I come to him, it's embarrassing how little I have to bring to him. I mean, I don't, I don't have much, but he has plenty. He has plenty of mercy and plenty of grace and plenty of love and plenty of wisdom and plenty of power. He has plenty of forgiveness. And he simply says, let's just share. You give what you got. And I'll give what I got. And we'll just share together. When you look at it in that, that light, it's kind of crazy. People running through life, holding on to that dumb bag of stale bologna sandwiches, saying, God's not going to get anything I got. I worked too hard for this stale bologna sandwich. I'm not giving to him. No way, no sir. Know anybody like that? It's kind of sad. Spiritually starved. No real joy. No real peace of knowing that I have partnered with God with my finances and I can trust him with my life. Hanging on to the things of this world. When God says, let's just share. Folks, I'm telling you. God does not need our stale bologna sandwiches. But we need his pizza. And he says, freely as you have received. Freely give. If you give, I will give it to you. Good measure, shaken together, overflowing, 
in your lap. It's just a matter of trust. I dare you. Test him in this. Try it out. And just see how he blesses you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?